Hello and welcome to a new episode of Esports Boom, your weekly esports business podcast. My name is Maurice Eisenman, and I am so excited about our guest this week. We got Andy Steeg, the community director at Stand Up to Cancer, which is a charity that's doing wonderful things to combat cancer and fund cancer research. He's a longtime friend of mine. He used to be a co-worker of mine, actually, back in the day. Besides that, he's a longtime podcaster as well. He has his own podcast, uh, Cafe BTW, uh, which you can find in the description box below. His story is really incredible, seeing how he kind of did a full 360 from uh, traditional TV production into esports and gaming, and now obviously working for now for profit. It's a great story. I can't wait for all of you to hear it. So let's get right into it. And I'm really, really happy to have you here. It's awesome that from our past time at WAM, we're now to we're now in similar worlds again, and uh, and and both doing some really cool stuff. Really excited to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. And yeah, it's great that we have kind of like uh, a story to tell from uh, I think three years ago now when we first met in this industry. And fast forward, here we are. So, dude, of course, I'm super excited about today. Great, great. So let's get right into it. We have a lot of stories, and I think a lot of stories where your background in entertainment, in in TV, and mm-hmm. we can have some some good some good uh, some good input as well. So let's let's get right in with our first story. Twitch TV announced a dedicated esports directory uh, earlier this week. So what that means, you know, according to Twitch, from League of Legends to NBA 2K, uh, viewers show up in record numbers to watch, you know, premier esports competitions. They've been listening to fans in a vibrant community of competitive video gaming fans, and therefore they have announced the esports directory. So if you go on the website, it's a dedicated tab dedicated to all things esports. You can search per game. It'll highlight some of the you know biggest esports events going on. Uh, at the same time, they also launched a smaller tab, which is dedicated to music. But I think this is a really cool move from Twitch, and it's... And, I have quite a few opinions on what I think that this means about the future of the platform, but would love to hear your thoughts first. Well, I'll tell you what first comes to mind. That's adoption. And how do you get adoption of esports? Well, you get it seen by more people. And I think what Twitch is allowing the world to see now is an aggregated place to just go to esports stuff. And I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And I must say that this is a good direction so that people can kind of go to one place and find all these events going live. And that one place you're going to is Twitch, which is already overwhelmingly popular in general. Like, you know, I go to Twitch to check out categories. I go to cooking channels. I go to retro channel. I go to music channels. I go to, you know, all the video game channels when you can go to like pick Call of Duty or you can pick Fortnite. So now that I can go to an esports section, I don't know. I think like you mentioned, kind of foreshadowed that this is going to really push, uh, I think, adoption for esports in in the general industry, uh, hopefully. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I actually agree with you as far as adoption, but also I, we've seen Twitch like make massive changes the past few years as far as what the platform is for. Initially, it was solely dedicated to gaming with esports as a big driver. Uh, and as you mentioned, 
you go now and you look at retro channels, you look at cooking channels, you look at music channels. Twitch has basically come back to its Justin TV roots, which is just like, you can use this to stream whatever you want. You know, it's funny you mention that. I just, about, I was on Justin TV and you know what I used to watch? I used to watch Simpsons like reruns, like this 24 hour <laughs> Simpson channel and just, and like study, you know? So, anyway. so, so, so to that point as well, like, I think that this is a sign for Twitch to say, Esports is one of our dedicated categories, the same way music is one of our big dedicated categories. So this creates a destination. It helps grow esports on the platform. But at the same time, it also makes the homepage a more of a general destination, right? The homepage is going to be less like, oh, big esports event here, big esports event here. It, it, It allows people like cooking channels and other different channels to get more of a focus. But also... we've seen Twitch move in a direction where it wants, as I mentioned before, and and you alluded to, it focuses more on live streaming in general, rather than just like esports or even competitive gaming. So this like giving it its own section also allows Twitch to focus more on those channels, on those things that are not necessarily directly related to gaming. I I know obviously uh, as our listeners will know, when they listen to the intro, you're a, a big user of Twitch as a as a viewer but also as a as a you know twitch channel you have a, you have your yep. own podcast how um how has your experience been on the platform you know the past few years so well i'll be honest that uh it is sort of new that i'm started a new channel i used to have a twitch for long as i know and i mean i had justin.tv um i don't think i have my original justin.tv but what I was, I'll just get to the point is that I, you know, as you know, I've been podcasting for many years, almost eight years. I've been on three. This is my third podcast. I had a Destiny podcast, which was a dedicated Destiny podcast, went for four years. Then I moved on to Coinboys podcast, which was a crypto gaming centric podcast. And now I have my new podcast. And I'm like, I'm so sick and tired of iTunes. I'm so sick and tired of SoundCloud. And, you know, Twitch is just so great for engagement. And I want to talk to my people that are listening to me. So I'm like, I'm going to just start a new channel and it's going to be dedicated to the podcast. So what? why did I do that? And it's, it's not because I just in one second was like, I thought, okay, I'm going to do a Twitch channel. I've been working in the industry for the last eight months, watching streams, working with streamers, and I'm seeing just this awesome community and including going to like something like TwitchCon. I just think that Twitch is is one of, if not the better platforms available for you to live stream and really build a community. Uh, and it's becoming a standard in a lot of ways because it's a, it's a very popular place. Um, I just love, I'll tell you what I really love. I love the emojis. I love the tiers you can build on your subscriptions. I love when, you know, the whole culture of, seeing alerts in your stream, you know, the way that Twitch is integrating a lot more uh, extensions and you could do like polls live in stream, you could do spinning wheels, you know, a lot of things to to give the streamer success. And if you have a platform, and, and this goes for many platforms right now, it's like, you know, a place to support the streamers is a great place. So I do have my podcast on Twitch because I like it. I like I like doing it on Twitch and it's been fun so far, even though it's very new. And we'll touch a little bit more about your podcast later on. Um, and we'll make sure, obviously, to put the links to everything in the in the show notes. Moving on to our next story, which really is focusing on Twitch anyways, uh, which is SoundCloud, which is a platform you mentioned just now already, yes. has partnered up with Twitch for original programming. So SoundCloud on Twitch, as it's called, 
uh, the channel officially launches yesterday or the day that we record, so Wednesday, May 6th, uh, with studio sessions with Soul Election, which is a weekly 90-minute music show hosted by Soul Election founder Joe Kay and special guests surfacing the best under-the-radar beats according to their press release. After that, they'll have a three-hour weekly live chat series called Cloud Bar, which premieres today. Uh, with creators, industry execs, and influencers discussing a range of topics from how-tos for a career in music and industry insights to new trends in music discovery, culture, and artist well-being. So a lot of these shows, they have a bunch more shows planned, but they're all going to be focused on, one, the music industry, two, uh, music exploration, and really becoming a platform for fans to find out about new SoundCloud artists, but also for... Uh, for artists to learn more about how to grow their their platform, so so Andy, like it's interesting, right? Because we're seeing one social platform now heavily betting on Twitch as a as a big new marketing growth for them. What are your initial thoughts on this? Well, I have a relationship with SoundCloud because uh, it was always. I was like, I'm going to have an iTunes and a SoundCloud available for my Android fans. You know, I just Mm -hmm. want to make sure that I have that available. And I use SoundCloud for many years. I love SoundCloud. I think for podcasting, it's been excellent. Uh, Just for general music, it's it's a great place for, you know, artists to get found and, and be famous from. So all I can say is like kudos to SoundCloud for seeing the progression of how music could be uh, available on a Twitch platform, how they could just pivot. This is a pivot to me. Not only are they playing music, they're doing te- they're doing shows. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. I got to give them props because as someone that worked in entertainment, this is, you know, a platform that was simply just, you know, sound and a place to put your music and now they're about to go on another uh, a huge level in their own, you know, story because I love the fact that they're doing an actual t- like show on their channel and it's only going to grow from there. And you, as you know, we're in uncertain times. Music needs this. Music needs this kind of this yeah. platform. So if there's if the timing was just right for them, then I, I, I appreciate them bringing more music to a live streaming platform that we could all enjoy. So in, in, in my wrap up here, I think it's incredible that they are doing this and they're only going to succeed. I think they're going to do really well they're going to be one of the first to really think about that and it's really cool yeah and and to our earlier conversation on the esports directory where twitch is heading like this is as far away from competitive gaming slash esports content as you can be it's music it's lifestyle uh and i think that's a really good sign of where twitch can head it's a platform where creators in this case soundcloud can invest heavy resources into the production, right? It's not just your standard camera um, and gaming set anymore as, as your general broadcasting. SoundCloud is going to, you know, up the bar with, you know, professional broadcasting and, and really putting on a top-notch broadcast that is separate from esports broadcasts or competitive gaming. So this is a great sign of where Twitch is heading as a platform and for further growth and definitely something that we're going to focus on. The next story which might be a little off of what you usually talk about, Andy, but it, it's pretty <laughs> exciting, is the fact that the NBA 2K League secured a, a broadcast deal with ESPN2 and Sportsnet. So the NBA 2K League will air on ESPN and Canadian Sports Network, Sportsnet, Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet Now, the league announced uh, this week. 
So both broadcasts will begin this week and will air uh, on Tuesday. So on Tuesdays, the uh, NBA 2K League will be on ESPN2. On Wednesdays, ESPN will also air the games the same on Thursday and Friday. But those matches will be on the ESPN app and ESPN.com. So this falls in a trend of ESPN now looking at esports content to fill up the gap that has been left by traditional sports uh, being on hiatus. So this includes a five-hour Madden block that they had before and a 12-hour block they had on April 5th. So the company also broadcasted the League of Legends Championship Series playoffs, the LCS playoff series last month. So before we're going to talk about the viewership numbers of the past broadcast on Tuesday, um, what do you think this sign is? Do you, if you're, if you would have to guess, do you think that an NBA 2K League broadcast is is interesting content for the ESPN fan? I think right now it's going to be. I I don't want to say a test, but I, I I'm curious to see how well it does. Um, and I think that the NBA 2K League needed this, and I think it's a positive step forward and obviously ESPN to another, you know, bring up the word adoption. This is another, uh, opportunity for ESPN to say, okay, we get it now. Maybe this esports thing, we should take a little bit more serious and they are, and this is a perfect example. So I think it's a win for both parties. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how well it does because right now NBA 2k is the greatest basketball series ever. And it's bought Mm -hmm. consistently every year. But is it something that people usually watch as you would a Call of Duty, a Fortnite, uh, you know, League of Legends? Not really. It's got a popular fan base. And I think this is going to be just good for it. And I think and I hope that this will help viewership for NBA 2K League to get noticed a little bit more. Very, very true. So now that you now you've said that, I'm going to kind of tell you about what the viewership was. So the viewership was not really what we expected. I think, unfortunately, the opening night on ESPN on a four-hour broadcast averaged about 40,000 viewers, which is pretty low for ESPN2. Now, I don't necessarily think that means that it's the end for the, for the NBA 2K League broadcast on, 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 on television. I just think that, you know, we have to be realistic sometimes about what that means. So to say that pretty quickly... The NASCAR had a broadcast uh, a few days, a few weeks ago that did really well on cable television. You know, they got hundreds of thousands of viewers to tune in. And it was an e-NASCAR, as they call it, broadcast. And the reason why it did so well, in my opinion, is because here was an experience that wasn't really trying to simulate NASCAR. I mean, it did, but it was a very fun broadcast. It wasn't taking itself too serious. The NASCAR drivers themselves were taking part of the broadcast. So everyone's having fun and people are just trying to uh, create a good and fun broadcast. The NBA 2K League is a real competitive broadcast. And if you're just a general NBA fan, or even if you're not an NBA fan, it's tough to get into right away. Um, But it doesn't have the uniqueness that maybe a Rocket League has, where like even though you don't really understand the game, it's like really cool and unique to watch. So I think... When we're looking at the NBA 2K League and their acceptance by cable television, I'm not saying they can't do it, but I do think that they have an uphill battle. What yeah, I know. I agree. And 
I did mention like this is good for the NBA 2K League. And I say that because, you know, they they they're working on doing something cool. And I and and it it's been, you know, an up uphill journey for them. And I'm rooting for them. And I think um I think only time will tell. And I hope that you know, the general adoption and being able to see this every day on regular television uh, or whatever, you know, place you watch ESPN is going to be great. Mm -hmm. So I think time will tell. I I don't, I want, I'm rooting for them. I do have a relationship though with NBA 2K because I did play it NBA 2K1 on the Dreamcast back in the day. (laughs) I played it when it first came out. So I definitely have a place in the heart for it. Yeah, no, I mean, I love the game as well. I'm not really a basketball fan, but I'll pick up NBA 2K to play it once in a yeah. while. And obviously, it's a big esports endeavor done by the NBA. So, cool. yeah, we want it to succeed. Our next story is probably more in your wheelhouse, you know, talking more about general content uh, and a really a story that, to be honest, caught me completely off guard. Um, so PewDiePie who is YouTube's most successful individual creator since 2013, has signed an exclusive streaming deal with YouTube. In August last year, he became the first individual creator to reach 100 million subscribers. Unbelievable. And sorry? I just said unbelievable. That's like crazy numbers. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's larger than most <laughs> countries. Um, this whole... Uh, competition subscribed to PewDiePie. You know, he was fighting, quote unquote, against Indian TV network T-Series, which now has 137 million subscribers, which is a whole story by itself. Uh, but obviously, we have we do have to talk about the fact that PewDiePie has been uh, at the center of several online controversies. Um, there are two that are pretty notable. Number one, he, he used the N-word uh, in the middle of a broadcast uh, during a live stream, actually. He did apologize profusely for the incident at the time. And uh, he said, it seems like I've learned nothing from all these past controversies, which these past controversies are just to say straightforward, a time that he dressed up as a, as a Nazi to make a joke. And so it's, it is interesting to me. It's not interesting to me that a creator like PewDiePie, who is in many ways, the face of gaming has become a, a face for YouTube in that sense. But what is, on the other hand, it is also a little bit surprising to me that a platform like YouTube, which prides itself on its um, on its accessibility, is partnering up with a creator in this kind of way uh, who might have blemishes on his record. What do you... Th- what do you mean in general, like, what I should think of PewDiePie? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm saying, what do you think of this uh, deal first? I, deal, and, okay. and then also, you know, what do you think of... Of, of this happening with a creator like PewDiePie who has some controversy. Yeah. So, okay. Obviously the thing about PewDiePie is that this guy was one of the founders of even like playing video games on stream and like becoming mm-hmm. create, he is responsible. Like it's like, he's a Steve jobs, Bill Gates of um, streaming because he was one of the early people to really think about, I'm going to live stream. I'm going to play video games. I'm going to entertain people. I'm going to talk to them. So you must give him credit where credit is due. And he's definitely a part of where we are today. Twitch wouldn't have an esports section in a category if it wasn't for PewDiePie, probably, because he he's a part of that family that started very early. And I know it's on YouTube and it's not Twitch, but you know, he live streams, he does videos, he he uh he's does it all and he he is funny. But I do 
cringe when I have to hear these horrible stories about him saying like the N word or doing like the Nazi thing, you know, because it's, it's like, come on, you're on a big stage. So you gotta be a little bit more professional. Um, I think he's trying recently. And I think this, actually this deal, believe it or not, is maybe going to help them get cleaner and be cleaner because YouTube's probably, you know, making sure that they've got their ducks in a row too. So um, I think I think PewDiePie has been more on a positive uptick and staying away from these negative publicity stunts or whatever he was thinking, I think. So if anything, I hope this is more of a positive thing for his community and him. And I also think that He's like one of their OGs, so it makes sense, you know? I I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, uh, this is definitely a sign of change. Uh, I mean, to be fair, we saw him grow up on the internet. Pretty much. And he was a he he was and is a trailblazer in many ways, that he was one of the he was the first person to really reach that mainstream level of success with gaming on YouTube. Uh, so that is true. Um, I do think he has grown as a person um, and a strong believer in second or, or in this case, third chances. I think so. third is probably right. <laughs> so, um, so you know, it's, it's not surprising. Like I said, it's really not surprising. What I really hope is that this will also become a moment for PewDiePie to use this next stage in his career to maybe give back to some of the communities that he previously had some issues with or that he previously has harmed or offended. So hopefully he uses his platform in a positive way. But overall, it's 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 another big step for YouTube uh, to bring in a creator this way and, and, and sign them exclusively. What do you think when you look at YouTube, you know, how do you see them in, in this larger, quote unquote, streaming war? Um, I think that the thing with YouTube is that, listen, I'll tell you what I do on YouTube. I watch these amazing retro video game influencers who don't do live, but they do VOD. So let's be honest. Mm-hmm. YouTube has the VOD market down pat. You know, they yeah, they are the VOD kings, but their, living thing, their lives getting better. And I think that more and more people are doing live. Like, for instance, I, I'll tell you, I watch a lot of Twitch, obviously. But I, I love Kevin Smith, and he's always on YouTube live. And he's been doing a lot on, he like been, he does his podcast live called Fat Man Beyond uh, on, on the podcast, on, on YouTube. And I appreciate it. I like it. I think, you know, there's guys like Markiplier that probably go live a lot, Jack Jacksepticeye. Uh, uh, I think that it's a war, but I think it's like a, a really interesting war because as a viewer, you're agnostic. You're on YouTube. I'm even on Mixer. My buddies have an awesome virtual reality podcast on Mixer. I'm, I'm watching them on Mixer. Um, I personally have a podcast on Twitch. It's it's agnostic for the viewer, and I don't think people think about that as much, uh, how agnostic it is for us, because you might be watching VODs on YouTube and some live, but you might be watching all your live on Twitch and maybe a little bit on Mixer. Um, so it's this, like, this buffet of this digital you know, this digital buffet for the viewers. So I think it's a win-win for all these platforms right now. Like YouTube and Twitch, I guess there's a war going on. It, it, uh, you know, they're they're in the same space, but I feel like they're all going up uphill. Everyone's going uphill, right? And I think that there's a difference. It's like, I don't go to Twitch for VOD. I go to YouTube. 
and that, and they got that down pat. So it's not like YouTube's losing in any sense of the word, if that makes sense. For sure. And the volume that YouTube has with the with VOD is is just on a different level if you compare the hours watched to 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 that of any live streaming platform. Like they they blow it out of the water. Now, an interesting fact is specifically when it comes in mobile gaming, YouTube is by far the biggest platform. And on top of that, YouTube actually has the record of most concurrent viewers watching a live stream. Um, just the other day, they had this Indian live streamer playing <laughs> PUBG Mobile who broke like a 2 million viewers wow, or something like that. Wow, that's it's, incredible. It's, it's, um, it's unbelievable, but it doesn't really get... People don't really focus too much on it because it's not... It's not as, you know, quote unquote sexy if it's like a if it's someone like Ninja that everyone in the US knows. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting. But it, it, YouTube is 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 a big player in live streaming. Also, they're now trying to get more into the markets that Twitch has, which is um, more focused on the US right. and, and, and Europe. But Twitch also fought back this week in a different way. Um, Twitch announced a three year broadcast deal with ESL and DreamHack, two of the biggest esports tournament organizers. From 2021 and on, the English streams for all major ESL and DreamHack events, so think about big CSGO events, big Dota 2 events, uh, will all be exclusively broadcasted on Twitch. So per their press release, Twitch will become a centralized hub for ESL and DreamHack broadcast, working with the tournament organizers for integrations and sponsorships for the duration of the agreement. So before I give you the mic, uh, Andy, I just wanted to touch on this last point. Uh, they'll work together on integrations and sponsorships for the broadcast. So that shows to me two things. Number one, this is not just your general media rights deal. There are going to be cool integrations and cool experiments that Twitch is going to do with ESL and DreamHack with their broadcast. And then two... Twitch is going to help sell sponsorships for ESL and DreamHack. So they're going to act as a, in some capacity, as kind of media sales representatives for ESL and DreamHack. So this gives a lot of sponsorship inventory for for Twitch as well. What do you think? Is this a, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I'll just say that I, I, know, I know the wonderful people at DreamHack. I was at DreamHack Anaheim. Um, I right. like them. I think they're amazing. And they do work closely with ESL. Uh, here's an instance of what is DreamHack's... This has to re- This relates to the times right now because DreamHack is known to be a live event where, where one of the main components is you bring your computer and you set up and you just chill for like 20... You know, the whole event and you play games on your computer or you go to the event and you go to all the booths and stuff. They have a problem because they are a physical event that does live stream esports. They do tournaments at at their events while they live stream. But now that physical component's gone and Twitch comes in and says, you know what? I think we could try to host you and we can we can keep you guys going. And this is a huge deal. And I think it contributes to that because there this is this is a positive thing for DreamHack and ESL and 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 all parties involved because they're only helping DreamHack, which was a famous event around the world that is physical and and now they're going completely digital and that's really cool and this is definitely a huge win for esl and dreamhack um not too long ago um 
or a few years ago, ESL and DreamHack, because they're owned by the same company, signed a deal with Facebook. And this was before Facebook's big push into gaming that they're doing now to have their games exclusively on the platform. And what we saw was a huge downcrease in in viewed hours uh, and, and concurrent viewers for uh, the ESL broadcast on Facebook. And, and that was a bit of, that's a bit of a problem for ESL because the vast majority of revenue that isn't related to tickets comes from sponsorships. In order to get those sponsorships, you need to have certain viewership. Um, so this is a really a win-win situation for ESL and DreamHack because they're not moving... Twitch is by far the most viewed platform for them. So they're, they're getting the benefit of a media rights broadcast deal without even having to sacrifice their viewership. So this is a really, really good deal for uh, ESL and, and DreamHack. Yeah, it, it's great. Um, I'm, I'm excited for everybody. And it's funny, you know, we're talking about all these deals and they're all positive in a lot of ways. You know, you can look at them with a lot of positivity and that's cool, I think. I think I'm noticing mm-hmm. that in our conversation that a lot of these are actually positive deals where all the parties are actually really benefiting from each other in these in these situations. Yes. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, esports we're or in gaming, we're in this cool situation where where we can really create deals that benefit both parties at the end of the day. Um obviously we don't know the details of the deal, how much it was and 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 whatever, but you know, it's 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 still good. Hopefully, you know, we get through COVID and we get through the next few months becoming stronger and and allowing um all properties to grow. The last story that we're going to touch on before we're we're going to go over what you do for SU2C um, is a story that I think you specifically will have a lot to talk about. <laughs> so that's FaZe Clan, uh, you know, North American esports organization, has joined forces with creative platform Sugar Twenty Three to launch what they are what they call FaZe Studios. So Sugar Twenty Three is a is created by award-winning producer Michael Sugar, um, who will create collaborate with FaceClan at FaceClan Studios, at Face Studios, to create original film and television projects. So their mantra is Face Studios is to introduce culturally impactful movies and TV shows specifically targeted at the younger demographic. Now, so not too long ago, FaceClan announced a deal with Quibi which is this new kind of app that's focused on on short form media. They got a lot of money to to start. Maybe that's the first project of Face Studios. Maybe this was what sparked Face Studios. And obviously, you have a tremendous background in traditional television and production. What are your thoughts on on this story? As you know, like you said, I worked in entertainment for about 13 years, and that included starting in the feature world before the writer's strike in 2007, which kind of disrupted things and kind of kind of f- formed uh, the reality business. And then I worked in reality TV for many years, which I'll explain. There was a company called Wham Network, which was about three years ago, and where Maurice and I met. And that's how, you know, in the beginning of the show, I think we foreshadowed that. Um, yes. So it was really cool because I was so excited. I literally quit the reality show I was working on, which I was not happy about. I didn't like the reality show. I mean, I wasn't happy about the reality show. I was like, there's a network that wants a producer to help make like gaming center content on a lifestyle network. I was like, this is exactly what I was thinking. Like back then, because when you're, you're a gamer and you're working in entertainment, you kind of see like the trends. 
And I was like, there's got to mm-hmm. be a time where scripted content, uh, you know, just gaming centric lifestyle content. As you know, Maurice, we did air like the shows that we put together. We had Game Bites, which was the travel gaming show where he would go to barcades all around the world and learn about why they opened it up, go in the kitchen. It was a lifestyle show that just had gaming tones, right? And mm-hmm. and it was really cool because we were doing something ahead of the curve. And I, I think I texted you that and I was like, listen, man, you know, you think about it now, you see a deal like this, an esports organization making a deal to make scripted content in around gaming is absolutely something that three years ago we were kind of pushing for. And, and just the fact that we kind of, we have that perspective, you know, we're very lucky to, because we were really trying to push something similar, or at least we were trying to do the MTV of gaming a way ahead of the curve. So I wanted to ask you what you thought of that. And that, that's kind of generally, I will say it's great for FaZe that they're noticing this, but I wanted to see what you thought too, Maurice, because I think your perspective is good too. Yeah, um, good question. So I, I think this is great. Just to take one step back, I think over the past two months, we've seen major announcements when it comes to kind of the intersection between traditional TV and gaming slash esports. Uh, just out of the top of my head, we we saw Venn announce yes. what they're starting. So obviously talk about you know being being ahead of the curve. I think Venn is very situ- situ- situated very, very well right now to do what we tried to do before. Yeah. Um, so, so that's super exciting. It is. Um, we see there's a company called like, um, blanking on the name again, but we talked about it in, in two episodes ago, which was, uh, which is a partnership of a, of an agency together with Strat and Sklavos, who's a big investor in esports to do something similar, like create a channel on YouTube and Twitch that creates crossover content, Quibi had a deal with uh, FaZe, which I mentioned before, and, and, a, and a show with, Fox, uh, with Vox to do uh, some gaming content as well. And now this. So it's definitely a trend that is moving forward. I think it's a great trend as well. My main focus is TV shows and movies like that are focused on gaming. It's really important to, to not... Um, to to make it in a way that is a is 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 consumable for the audience that you're trying to reach, and that's I think what's going to be really key. And but I think out of all the projects that I'm seeing, you know, partnering up with Phase, Phase is best in class at that. Like you look at their YouTube content, you look at their creators, and they're massively successful. They know how to reach out reach out to younger audiences. They know how to appeal to them. So I feel like this might be, obviously we need to see uh, a best of both worlds because we might get like that that traditional TV quality or that 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 eye of ta- of 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 content that maybe Sugar Twenty Three can provide, together with the expertise of Face Studios and this and Face Clan in the sense of how to actually speak and actually attract these younger audiences. So I I definitely think it's 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 really exciting. Um, do you, do you foresee this trend to continue to grow? Um, or do you think most, uh, traditional TV, such entertainment people are, are still going to do a wait and see? I think there's, I think, I think, um, I think there's still a wait and see for sure. Uh, I think the C is happening right now because of the yeah. pandemic, 
Uh, it's forcing people to be home more and normal mainstream people that weren't that might have been working like, you know, 80 hours a week outside their home and now stuck at home. And they're probably looking at things and they're noticing, you know, gaming. It's in mainstream news right now. Gaming, you know, uh, there were revenue reports that were like through the roof just the other day. I'm sure many people saw that. My my cousin, who's not a gamer, texted me um, about that. And I was like, why, why are you texting me? You never would text me about this. He's like, I just think it's interesting. I was like, exactly. That's exactly the point. My cousin proved the point that like mainstream people are seeing it now. So I think the trend is up. Um, I think though, we're going to see what happens. I still think there's a long way to go if you want my honest opinion, but I'm very much Mm -hmm. supportive of it. I think that I saw it like a few years ago. I remember saying like, you know, it'd be so cool to do like an animation show around esports or something, but it's just like was way too ahead of the curve. Like no one really cared um, except for gamers themselves. But now there's all these platforms that are focused on gaming stuff that give you the outlet uh, more than ever. So I think that they are looking. I think we still got some time. First of all, when you're making TV shows, you can make as many shows as you want, but are they good? That's the question. So it's a wait and see to see how good the content is for FaZe Clan. And you know me, you know, I come from entertainment. So I kind of, you know, I, my whole in career was being judged by notes and process and cuts and delivering to networks. So uh, they're very serious about content when it gets to the higher level type of networks, you know. So they're waiting and seeing, but they're going to be jumping in, I, I, I'd imagine. Uh, it's just going to take a little bit more time, I think. Yeah, I heard this interesting quote about kind of traditional TV. Um, it's a race to be second <laughs> in the sense that a lot of traditional TV networks and, and investors, they they like to wait and see to see if something becomes successful and then they'll, they'll jump into it, right? Netflix the other day had Tiger King, which no one expected to be a huge hit and became a huge hit. I'm sure there are dozens of TV executives calling their, you know, production studio saying, "Can we make the next Tiger?" King? I think they said uh, um, Nicolas Cage would be perfect for Joe Exotic. Yeah. Well, I, oh, I think I think they are. are they, they is that real? Movie, Was that real? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and so I mean that shows right. They they know it's successful now, so now they know it's not too much of a risk. It's true. Um, and the fact and the fact that we're seeing this type of stuff shows that that gaming is is less of a of a of a risk factor. Uh, they know that it, it can deliver. Uh, but enough about that. Let's talk a little bit about you and what you do as SU, at SU2C. So before we walk into the work that you do on the charity front, let's talk a little bit about your story. You already alluded a little bit to it, but you know, what's your gaming story? How did you end up where you are right now? Oh, man. You know, I first always attribute my parents for always buying me video games. So I always say that that I grew up with friends that had the parents that were like anti-video games. So number one, shout out to my parents for always supporting me and and just letting me play video games, right? It all started though uh, at Atari 2600 for me. Um, I remember the game. I remember the moment. I did see Coleco. I mean, I'm that old. I'm, I'm dropping my age here. But What's crazy about being a part of Atari 2600 as the first console I got to see is that I have lived through the console generations and I've played PC gaming too. So I think my perspective is crazy. And here's the thing. I I, I got the Atari 2600. But then when we hit the NES, me and my brother would just, we were enthralled by it. We would get Nintendo Powers delivered. Um, 
it was like so cool. And we had like stacks of Nintendo games and we just wanted to beat all of them and play all of them. And I just have these fond memories of playing video games with my brother in our basement uh, on like an, a really old crappy uh crt tv like our parents gave us like the leftover tv for our video game play though but i was fine with that <laughs> um so then i lived through the gen you know i had saturn i had dreamcast i had i had i had turbo graphics believe it or not we had neo geo um <laughs> believe it or not um i was in i i was on pc playing diablo diablo 2 tie fighter uh wing commander a point and click adventure games like monkey island i I really, and I'm still today, I call myself a variety gamer because I like to dive in different categories of gaming and genres. And I've always been that way. And you can, you could tell by the way I'm telling the story that I've just played like lots of different things. I love, and let's not forget the nineties arcade culture that I got to grow up on when I used to go to the arcade and play Street Fighter 2, Mortal Kombat 2. Um, so I came from there and then my dream in my life was to work in entertainment though. Now gaming was a passion of mine, but movies and entertainment was my true passion so that's why when mm -hmm. i moved out to la from uh i was at florida at the time i moved to la i quit my job i dropped everything i was like 25 and i drove across to la like the typical story like i told my parents i gotta go do what i wanted to do i did go to film school believe it or not but i got kind of like caught up after college and i like ended up getting a real normal like corporate job and i was just like this is not what i want to do so I literally just packed my car up, moved to LA, and I got my first job on like a movie as a PA, which is a production assistant, which pretty much means you assist everybody on the movie. You do whatever they tell you. And I worked for free even in those days, you know, at times. And, you know, uh, that was my passion. But as I grew in the entertainment industry, you know, I, I still have passion to do movies, but gaming just kind of sort of became a reality to me i started to notice that i you know gaming's starting to get bigger it's becoming social media is coming popular so gaming's going to be seen more and there's going to be more producing there's going to be more like content made and docu stuff and reality shows so i was like maybe now i can pivot into gaming so believe it or not I was starting to get sick of reality tv <laughs> um i'm not gonna <laughs> lie now that i'm out of that industry i could totally you know, say that I am so happy that I spent time in it. It did so many good things for me, but glad I, I'm out of it. Uh, but what happened was, is that believe it or not, my first true like gaming media job where that was my idea, I was going to transfer into media was working for Jeff Keighley on YouTube E3 Live, I believe in two, 2000. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I don't know what year it was, uh, but I got to work for him as a producer. I was lucky enough and that was a hell of an experience because on his show, if you ever watched that show at the time when he used to do it, he did it last year too. Um, you know, it's like every five minutes is a new developer, a new publisher coming on to talk about their new releases before E3 opens. Uh, fantastic live stream. Also, you can contribute Jeff for being ahead of the curve on live streaming journalism in uh, in in video games as well. And I'm I, here I am working for the guy and I respect him so much. And I learned a lot from just working on that one show. And then believe it or not, I started getting like random jobs doing like content, like maybe shooting with a producer producing on a floor at E3. It actually happened with Wham. We, you know, I did content for us. It was really when I hit Wham, Maurice, where it really was like, wait a minute, I can really be in this industry. And it's kind of taken off like that. And what I ended up doing after Wham is I started consulting. Then I started doing a lot of random media work in gaming, you know, 
uh, shooting, shooting at an event, uh, doing these little packages for companies and stuff, which was fun. Uh, but I really wanted a full-time position and stand up to cancer just like landed on my lap on, you know, it's, and here's the thing. I do have very much connections to cancer. My grandmother uh, was a breast cancer survivor and my dad is going through it right now. So it actually had a lot of like when they posted that they were looking for a gaming influencers and gaming community director, it like really spoke to me. It's exactly what I thought I could do. You've met me, Maurice. I'm like really into networking and like talking, you know, like so I was like there. There, what I loved about it is that here's an organization that's not in gaming, but they're looking for someone that has a great perspective on gaming to bring in and and build a division up and work together with the organization and long story short, that's how it all started. And just so you know, you know, our mission is to raise funds uh, to accelerate the pace of groundbreaking traditional research that you can get new therapies to patients quickly and save lives. And we've had some FDA approvals, you know, we've done some really groundbreaking work and we're getting in front of it. We're trying to stop, you know, stop the disease and keep survivors, you know, alive. And, and it's, it's been exciting to be a part of something so positive uh, and the fact that I get to do that and also be a part of the gaming industry in the last eight months, I've met some amazing people from all facets of the gaming world. And I very much have been really enjoying the relationship I've had with streamers that want to charity, do charity streams for us or uh, joined us on awareness you know, events on our social media or our, our general like stream events as well. Uh, it's really rewarding. And um, I'm just enjoying it. Um, Obviously, um, there's a lot going on with COVID relief, and it's so important that you know a lot of these people that are, you know, up in the front lines are 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 first. So you know, we're we have things to offer people. You know, we're 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 supporting cancer research, but we have a app that actually is a resource app for patient or people to to keep track of your, you know, your symptoms. It's called the COVID symptom tracker. And it was actually founded oh. by one of uh, uh, one of one of the doctors in our org- uh, that we support, and uh, it's really cool so that we can also contribute, you know, and help. Uh, but really, the best part for me is is helping spread the awareness in the gaming industry, making connections, seeing what kind of cool events we can do. It's 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 not always about fundraising. It's always about like awareness, and and you know, it's not always about doing like a, a charity stream. There's lots of ways. You can do support in the gaming industry uh, without having to do a stream, for instance. You know, uh, a tweet goes a long way, and you know, it's just great to be a part of a great organization. And I'm I'm excited for what I'm trying to do by growing us. And um and there's been such good support, and I'm having a good time because I'm full time in the gaming industry, and a lot of that attributes to Stand Up to Cancer for uh, giving me a shot at at being the community director for us uh, in the gaming world. So. That's awesome. And, and, and that's just great to hear. Thanks, and, and to your point, like, this is so this is such a, a job that fits you well, like you get to combine all your passions. And, and it's really exciting to, uh, to see you really, you know, shine. Uh, and, and also, you know, stand up to cancer, large part due to what you have been doing it has become, it sounds a bit weird to say, but uh, a brand name in the esports charity worlds, right? In esports and gaming, we love 
one of the things I'm so proud of is we love to raise money for charity, you know, utilize our platforms for good. And like Stand Up to Cancer has become one of those charities that people are, are proud to support. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just great. Yeah. And I, I love watching charity streams. And that goes for any charity streams with whatever um, nonprofit. It's really fun to see how passionate they are to support causes and the fact that gaming has become a medium uh, to do that. And and that is something to to say. And I've, I'll tell you what, I, I, I've enjoyed every stream I've seen that have been support. You know, and I see tweets sometimes where they're supporting us. It's not that I was asking them to do anything. They're, they're just choosing us to uh, support. And it, it shows a lot that, you know, you know, cancer is, is close to a lot of people um, and it affects every industry. Um, it doesn't matter if you're in gaming and entertainment, you work at a mall or a supermarket or a law, a law firm, uh, we're all connected to it in some way or some people are, you know, so um, I think gaming has been great for for us to open up and 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 really give an industry a chance to to um, be a part of our mission. Great, great. So for people who don't know, explain, you know, what how does it work in in esports and gaming with raising charity? Uh, obviously, a lot of our listeners are are go on Twitch every single time and they see it and they're very well aware of that. But we have listeners that are very new to gaming and esports so you know can you give like a forty thousand foot view of of how streamers raise money for charity like what what are the things that yeah they do? it's it's actually pretty great how they were able to kind of figure out how do you do that how do you um you know because like facebook you can go on facebook any day to a facebook birthday fundraiser and you just start a fundraiser on your facebook page how do you gamers do it well I'll give you uh, a few. There's a, there's many ways for fundraising to happen in the industry, but we're going to talk about streamers in this case. You know, it's there's mm-hmm. there's some platforms you need. They're mechanisms, right? So Tiltify, Streamlabs, Soft Giving, Donor Drive. These are platforms that allow you to to benefit a charity. And how does that work? Well, they give you a link. You sign up for a fundraiser or an event that's happening. And it's as simple as signing up to the platform, joining the fundraiser or starting your own. And what happens is it generates a link for you. And that link you could take and put on your Twitch panel and and make a donation image, or you can run it in your Nightbot, in your chat. So when you click that, when a donor clicks that link and they're watching your stream, that will send them over to a place where they'll put their credit card information, uh, PayPal information, whatever it might be that they're using, and you make a donation just like you would any other digital donation method. You know, it brings you to a way of of getting your own like fundraiser started, and it's pretty cool because any streamer at any time can do a fundraiser. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, I think it's great. It's like you know, I had a guy uh, reach out to me, not about stand up, but he's like. He asked me some insights, just like, you know, there's a zoo that I want to support locally. And I was like, oh, you can, you know, you can see if they're available. And it turned out, I think they were available on Tiltify. And he was able to support this, this zoo organization. I'm sorry, I don't, it, it, the actual organization uh, I don't have on the top of my head, but um, just goes to show you, it's not just, you know, what standup is doing. You can support children's hospitals. You can support wildfires. Obviously, right now, a lot of the focus has been around COVID nineteen, and there's been some fantastic fundraising and support for for the uh, for many outlets and nonprofits that are helping, um, you know, helping right now during this uncertain time. So literally, it's about signing up to a platform, getting your own fundraising link, so that you have a way of 
promoting it. And these streamers, Maurice, are doing all kinds of fun things. They do giveaways. They give games away. They have people on their stream play with them. They say, I'm going to shave my head for, you know, for this charity. If you guys get to 1,000 donations, what's even better is that there's overlays that have um, goal bars so that everything is very interactive in gaming when it comes to, to charity streams. And I think that, you know, let's be honest, engagement and interactivity is feels the best. So when the donors are donating to these streamers that are doing the charity stream, there's a, a bond and synergy there because you're both, you know, doing something great together. And you don't have to donate either. There's plenty of people who are there for awareness. Every bit counts, but sometimes some people, you know, they just can't give. And that's totally okay too. But they're there supporting in chat. Uh so there's so so the bottom line is it's it's basically uh, just this way of getting one link that you're able to use as a promotion. And that link, whoever sends their money will go to whatever nonprofit you're looking to support. So it's really cool. That's great. And and now, now focusing on, on Stand Up to Cancer, are there certain events or certain times where that are that are key moments for you with to interact with the gaming industry and 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 raise money? Like, are there, are there kind of highlight times, like certain events that you organize? Um, it's, it's, I mean, I don't really have a direct answer for that. It's more like, cause you know, we, we're kind of, we go by, you know, what events are we doing right now? I'll be honest with you. We don't have anything set. Uh, but what we do have is the ability for streamers to benefit us at any time. So they can fundraise right now, today, at any time, because uh, we're available on Tiltify and Streamlabs. Um, so I do have some things that we are potentially working on, but I can't say them right now. But just to give you an idea, you have other nonprofits that have uh, uh, events that happen annually. Uh, and a lot of the times, Maurice, I'll tell you, the best time of year is the, year, the end of year, which is the, the giving season. That's when it's the holidays. And that's a lot of the times when humans in general are just more giving. They're buying gifts for people. They're, um, they're, they're you know, cooking for people. They're going to people's homes. They're doing very positive things because we have all those holidays mixed in together, especially here in the U.S. Um, so it's, uh, if you ask me what's a, what time of year do you see a lot of things kind of gaining traction, I think it is kind of leading into end of year. If that makes sense, I can give you that at least and kind of give you perspective on that. That makes sense. That makes sense. And and it's just, you know, it's really, really exciting to hear, you know, the work you have done and, and, and how Stand Up to Cancer, you know, the work they're, they're doing and that you're doing there and how gaming is such a part of it. It's really, really heartwarming. If people are interested in uh, Stand Up to Cancer, both if they're a streamer, right, if they want to want to connect and learn more or if they are uh, just a, a everyday person who wants to donate, how can they best do that? Yeah. So um, your best way of doing it is uh, if you go to Tiltify um, and you sign up for a fundraiser, you'll be able to see and search for Stamp to Cancer and we'll be right there to click on to choose us for support. And on Streamlabs, if you go to your dashboard, there's a charity button now and you just click the charity button and you'll see that Stamp to Cancer is one of the blocks where you could join as a fundraiser. So literally uh, just check out tiltify.com, uh, start a fundraiser, or if you'd like to donate, you can donate as well, or you can just go to Streamlabs through your dashboard, just click charity and you'll see a whole bunch of other charities as well. 
Uh, and I believe, uh, Maurice, I'll probably give you some links so you can share those below or wherever, whatever platform they're Perfect. listening to us on. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we'll make sure to put it in the show notes for anyone who's interested. But, you know, the work Synapse Cancer is doing is, is, is obviously incredible. Uh, so if people want to follow you and learn oh, more yes. about you and your podcast... Um, which, by the way, give us definitely give a short plug for that. How can they do that? So really easy. Uh, I'm I'm very much on Twitter, and I I'd say it's uh, producer btw at producer btw. My Twitch link is right there, but it's believe it or not, my podcast is on Twitch is Love Retro BTW, and every Saturday at 8 a.m. PST, 11 Eastern, I do an hour show with guests. Sometimes, sometimes not. But this is the best way to describe it. It's taking the very simple topics and going very in-depth. So what was last week's episode? Last week's episode was the 1990s arcade culture. And we dug into that. And the week before, it was digging into um, nostalgia in gaming and really diving into why is gaming nostalgic. So you're going to get a lot of those awesome um, kind of subjects on my show. And what I do is I kind of... We'll click on things. I'll be very visual for you. You'll be able to see trailers. I show you pictures so that not only are you listening, uh, you're seeing what I'm talking about. Uh, and it's super fun. And this week, um, actually, I don't know when this is airing. So I'm, I don't know. Is this? Uh, it's airing. Uh, it's airing on Monday. next. Okay. Week. So I don't have the topic for next week, but the past week we did uh, 80s and 90s console culture. Uh, which I think is a really fun one. So if you like just having a cup of coffee in the morning, check out Cafe BTW, a morning coffee gaming podcast on Twitch at Love Retro BTW. Uh, I promise you'll have fun. Awesome. And we'll put all those links in the description box as well. Annie, it has been a real pleasure. Excited already to have you on in, in, in the future, but uh, thank you so much for joining. No, thank you, man. Uh, and great to catch up as well. I really appreciate it. This has been another episode of Esports Boom, and we'll see you next week.